It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We walk the fields under the stars. For love is here in Goldshaw Farms. Welcome to Goldshaw Farm. I'm your host, Morgan Gold. On each episode of our podcast, we bring you stories of people who are homesteading, farming, and chasing their dreams. And today's episode is all about that chasing your dreams part. You know, I've been living up here at our farm now full-time for a little over a year, and it's been very much uh, an experience of chasing my dream. I am exhausted on a regular basis. I never have any free time, and I'm constantly working on something. Yet, I haven't been happier because all of those things that I'm, I'm striving towards and, and putting all my energy towards are, are part of my dream. And I think that if you are working hard and if you're making drastic changes in your life, it, it can be challenging for you. It can be hard. It can be exhausting. But it can be really rewarding if you're doing it in the context of chasing your dreams. I have a, a couple of friends out in Minnesota, Sarah and Ethan, and uh, they have been on sort of a similar path. And no, they're not really trying to start farms necessarily, but they did realize a couple of years ago that the lives that they were leading were not the lives that they wanted. And their focus was really on their family and how to emphasize that. And so they made some pretty drastic changes Changes that a lot of people would say were almost crazy in some regards. But as I look at where they are today and the life that they're leading, um, it's, it's pretty incredible. So I figured it'd be great to sit down with both Sarah and Ethan and, and talk to them a bit and share their story with you guys. So without further waiting around, here's my conversation with Ethan and Sarah of 180 Degrees from Average. out here in the country about an hour north of Minneapolis and mm -hmm. Sarah was a city girl who was mm -hmm. 10 minutes from Minneapolis downtown and we uh, both got into this thing called the Civil Air Patrol. It's and, the Auxiliary of the United States Air Force. Yep yeah, so it's a part of the United States Air Force. We were cadets mm -hmm. and uh, we joined at the same time. We joined at the yeah. exact same time and we went through the same Training, training flight tango flight which is basically like basic training it's for kids yeah. but uh we we went through that together and for a while we were just kind of competing we were competing against each other yeah it was like who was going to be flight sergeant first or yeah. flight commander yeah yeah who was going to be the first flight commander that was me just who was going to pass their billy mitchell on the first try. She did. Me. Yeah. So we had this competition thing going. That's how we met. We mm -hmm. met there. We were just kids. Yep. You, I was 14. You were. I mean, you're younger than you. I was 13 at the time we met. She, yeah. So 13. She was 13. I was 14. Yeah. You always so, try to pretend you're a cradle robber, but it doesn't work. I mean, I kind of, you know. <laughs> so I was so, kind so of tried that. You guys, you guys meet while you're, I mean, what, middle school, essentially? Uh, yeah. maybe freshman in high school and 
you'd start dating then? Like, how how does that work? Like, what happens from there? <laughs> no, so we uh, we so she was my flight sergeant. I was the mm-hmm. flight commander, and so we worked together all the time. We were just constantly together, talking to each other on the phone um, for two yeah. years, really. Mm-hmm. So it was two years of just constantly being around each other. And um, and then you became friends with my dad. I did, although that might have been a little planned on my end. I was kind of like, get in with the old man, go kayaking. <laughs> then I get to be at Sarah's house. It's like not the worst thing. But uh, anyway, yeah, so yeah, it was just we were at this formal ball for the Minnesota wing. Uh, we were at this ball and one of my the one of my friends who was the uh, cadet commander of the squadron at the time where he says you know you got to take uh, Sarah and walk her through the arch which is a military arch you know where they i don't know if it was Sorry, rifles yeah, or swords i forget right. but you know all the couples would walk through and i was like no this is unprofessional you know this is there's no military bearing to this and then uh the long and the short of it is, uh, that night I ended up just getting like super jealous of anyone who would show her attention. When his friend asked me to dance. And I was like, yeah, I was all upset. And then, then we left. And then, uh, my friend Mike and I got to our hotel and I'm like, I'm sitting up all night just thinking. And I'm like, I either hate her with a passion or I love her. I'm not sure. And he just looks at me. He's like, pretty sure you're in love dude (laughs) and that was kind of it after that uh it was like a sort of teenage on again off again for six months and then after that we were we've just been together so so fast forward what 20 25 years later yeah and now you guys have what four kids four kids and, and and where are you living now so right now we are in Minnesota. We're about we're we're an hour north of Minneapolis. We're at the same family property I grew up on. So yeah, yeah we we came back here. We've kind of hop skipped and jumped all over the place, but uh, we always seem to bounce back. Here. We've always kind of yeah. come back here off and on. So and now, I mean, one of the things I know about you guys is that you have been working to restore your family farmhouse. Yeah, tell tell me about that project. Oh man. Well, it's a uh, an old uh house. My great-grandfather was the first person who who built mm-hmm. a part of it and he built that in the late 1800s. He built was, a lean-to. Yeah, essentially just a little lean-to. Yeah, him and his brother were going to Canada on their way back to Illinois and so they got kicked off the train for some reason. The why? I don't know. But the two brothers got kicked off the train. So they had to walk and they ended up stumbling on this piece mm-hmm. of land. It was in the middle of the summer, so they built a lean-to and stayed here the whole summer on this land, just squatting on it. And uh, they ended up coming back, and eventually my great-grandfather bought the land. And so he built the first part, then he came back and built the second part, like a little bit later, early 1900s, 1900-something. And then eventually the whole family moved here. Uh, so my great-grandfather, three, three boys, and his wife all moved here from Illinois. So... And then my grandfather added on even more in the 50s. So it's kind of been a just a hodgepodge addition. But it's so it's challenging to work on. There's a lot of moving parts with it, and um, it has two roofs. It has two roofs, which is a little bit hard to deal with. (laughs) 
Uh, well, that, that's sort of the funny thing with those old farmhouses. I mean, because like our place, right? It's uh, it was built in like 1835, and it was like a one and a half story farmhouse. And then I think somewhere around like 1920 or so, they made it two and a half stories. But yeah. <laughs> they didn't do any of the you know engineering work that you typically would do to support a larger, taller structure like that. So I could imagine where it's like, oh, let's, we got one roof, let's just add on another roof. and we'll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah and the, my grandfather did that in the 70s. He added the second roof because uh, the old roof leaked. It was There was a part that just didn't have a lot of pitch to it. It was almost flat, and then, so it would always leak every spring there. Um, so they ended up uh, putting that on there. But... Um, yeah, it's been challenging so far mm-hmm. to get what we've got done on it uh, done, and we've been we've really traveled quite <laughs> quite yeah, a bit more a than we were planning. Um, we bought you know bought this RV. Uh, you know, originally I wanted to have the house done before spring, mm-hmm. and we just got sick all winter. Was, yeah, I mean the whole winter we winter were sick. Winter was just rough. Yeah. yeah, it was just sick. Sick kids would get sick. It was like a revolving door. Yeah, never uh, anything done. Yeah, no, it's just really hard to get anything done, and so I was working by myself over here, and you know, you know, cold. So we had we share a common uh, cold experience here. So you know, it's when it's thirty below, it's tough to be out, wanting to be out. To eat, you know. Well, what's what's the condition of the place today? So, well, right now we have uh, basically the entire inside gutted out. We have. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all but just a handful of the windows installed. Um, we got we put a new roof on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's kind of where we are with it. Yeah. Yeah. We still have to do like insulation on it, and then just kind of fill everything in. You know. Right. So. Well. Getting the mechanical stuff done. Yeah, I mean it, that that's not like an easy undertaking, and and. and... And, oh, so, no. and so so that's why you guys have kind of the RV, which is where you're actually living, versus yeah. the house, which is where it's sort of a work zone right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're here at the house. The house is just behind us out here. But, um, yeah, when I realized I wasn't going to get the house done, uh, there was really no way. We had some friends who had a scare with cancer, and so we went to their place to help them out for uh, – Week. ultimately like a week of my time basically and that was right in march so there was a bunch of things that kind of added up and i just went well there's no way i'm getting all this accomplished so what can we do and the answer was get this rv because we were renting out our other house so we have two houses on this property the old farmhouse and then we have uh another house that i bought from my parents the house i grew up in well we were renting that out come april 1st so we had a hard out so this rv we looked all over the state couldn't find anything we spent a day literally driving all over the state yeah. of minnesota and we couldn't find anything and we were getting really yeah everything was overpriced <laughs> and yeah i was like i don't know we were know. ready to buy a wall tent yeah that was the backup backup mm-hmm. plan because i knew i could just go to cabela's yeah. and buy one yep and uh and then that would be that and we could live yeah. in the wall tent but uh, we ended up finding this one from a guy literally three minutes away yeah, from our house. And uh, it's way bigger than all the others mm-hmm. we were looking at, and the price was the same. Yeah. So it's been mm-hmm. great so far, surprisingly. Surprisingly comfortable. Yeah, and... people all say it's bigger on the inside. 
Now, as you're living this life, whether it's, you know, at the RV, there at your farmhouse, or you're on the road, you know, how hard is it to find food? <laughs> and, like, how do you manage the logistics of that? How do you find, you know, farm-raised food that you felt comfortable with? Like, how did you struggle with that? Because that, that can't be easy, or I can't imagine it being easy. No, no, it's actually a huge challenge. Yeah. When we were on the road, it was nearly impossible mm -hmm. to find anything local and fresh um yeah eggs but even then we didn't really find local fresh eggs mm -hmm. and fresh eggs as opposed to what ethan right like really well, like your years grocery old store eggs? no grocery no, store eggs I mean, generally are a month old but yeah, yeah but we, anyway yeah. yeah no but the only place was in north carolina in north carolina yeah. we started seeing like oh this stuff's actually from here right we found some local dairy and some yeah right but it's tough uh on the road it's really really tough we just kind of settled for trying to buy organic which you can right, now yes. it's easier to do walmart which strangely yeah. enough now walmart carries a lot of organic stuff which is surprising right. but they do they carry grass-fed beef there so we did a lot of grass-fed beef like organic grass-fed beef vegetables and grass-fed beef yeah and, yeah and you know some i mean <clears throat> speaking of food it's just so important because you know the current sort of food supply is just kind of been poisoned with all of this uh whether it's glyphosate or you know um what is it, atrazine and all these different things, you know, these are these are bad things to have in your food and so it's difficult. I think the best thing you can try to do when you're traveling is just get organic. That's mm -hmm. probably the best you're gonna do on average. And even then some places there was no way. We were parts at, of Missouri were parts of Arkansas. In Arkansas. There was nothing, yeah. you know, like you go to the local place. We had to go an hour to get to a Walmart that had organic stuff. And even then they had a fraction yeah, of the organic they didn't have stuff. Because we, we were places. kind of in the middle of nowhere in Arkansas yeah. and just obviously there's not a big market there yeah. for it in that one location. But um here it's it's pretty great. Um we have uh, we have a co-op that's you know, 35 minutes away right. from us. Uh, they've got tons of everything in there is organic. Everything in there is either organic or organic and local. In the summer, it's all local. In the summer, yeah. all the produce is local. So we try to get over there. We've also got a Walmart real quite close mm -hmm. by that has a ton of organic stuff. Um, so it's easier here. It's hard to get, you know, in Minnesota, you don't get anything local in the winter. Right. Um, other than tomatoes that come out of the hot houses down south, but they're yeah, not organic. Yeah, but they're not organic. Yeah. yeah. There's some greenhouses down in the southern part of the state that do uh, tomatoes. Yes. But I, as far as I know, they don't sell organic. But, yeah. yeah, winter here is tough. I don't know what it's like where you're at. but Yeah, no, just a lot of storage stuff. <laughs> Everything you can yeah. can and freeze, and that's that's kind of what you work off of. But, it, yeah. but it's interesting, though, that... You say that because as you travel around the country, you'd think, oh, there'd be small farms and farmer's markets you could hit up. But, yeah, I mean, I've often wondered, like, would it be kind of cool to, like, try to make a documentary where you try to drive across the country but eat food that's within five miles of wherever you're at whenever you're eating it kind of situation? It would be, yeah, that would be fascinating. I think the one thing that we, because we did try to target, like, farmer's markets and other places, and the one thing that I found difficult is just simply finding them because a lot of them don't necessarily have an online presence, and how do you then 
interject yourself into that local community to find that information and then to be there at the right day because a lot of times most of these small towns they're once a week yeah and so if you're not if you're not there at the time that yeah. they have it it would be that would be a fun film to make yeah. and uh i think uh if you were going to only eat food that you could find locally within five you said five miles five miles i think that uh both you or I would end up being much thinner men. Because <laughs> I, I don't think you'd be eating a lot. <laughs> Depending on what, what time of year. That's the other thing. When we were down there, it was, you know. Early spring. Yeah, it was beginning of so... April and and then just into the beginning of May. And even down in the south, I mean, they're just getting things Stuff planted. Stuff growing, and, but not yeah. producing. Right. Yeah. yeah. So even down there, I think mm-hmm. it's, you know. Yeah just a seasonal thing and you know way back when everybody like you're talking about everyone canned so mm-hmm. you know you didn't eat fresh produce in march it was all right. canned from the fall what what are you guys working towards like what's your goal i mean it's not necessarily the the standard thing for people to you know kind of put so much into a renovation that they're moving into a, an rv like what what's making you and what's driving you guys to, to take those steps? Yeah, so I think um, uh, a couple of years ago now, I I've been I've been working in startups for a while and doing that in software, and a couple of years ago, I just finally kind of had had enough. I just realized I was basically an absent an absent father. And we kinda, the whole family kind of joked that he was a he'd become a mythical creature. Does Ethan still even exist? Yeah, because he just was never around. I was never here. I mean, I was gone all the time. Sleeping at the office. Sleeping at the office. office. Sleeping in a hotel because it's four o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. and instead of driving home an hour and a half because it was about an hour and a half away, that I, instead of driving home to get back there by eight, I might as well just sleep there or in my car in the parking lot or whatever. So it was one of those, um, yeah, just really made me think about what I want. And so to get back to your original question, um, this whole thing has been about, um, trying to spend more time with family and, and really trying to focus on the things that are actually important in life because I really hadn't been, you know, I was focused on money and status and, and um, things like that. And so we just kind of made this commitment that we were no longer going to uh, do things for uh, status or uh, perception of wealth or anything like that. Like we were just done with that completely. And so um, we wanted to actually live a life that we truly just enjoyed. Right. And and a big part of that was to have time to actually spend with each other. Mm-hmm. So coming here with the farmhouse is really just sort of, uh, and it, you know, that playing out. We, you know, I quit my job. I walked in one day and just said, I'm done. And uh, I asked Sarah if that was all right. And she said, yes, thankfully. Um, I <laughs> True story. I was like, can adult men run away? Like, is that something I can do? Like, if, 
is this like a possible thing? You know, I literally was doing that one day and then I'm like, okay, I just got to quit this job, you know? And I told Sarah, I'm like, I got to be done. And she was like, yes, be done. So I walked in, quit, and we came and moved back here to the house. And I started doing all remote work. So only work from home, which was a huge, that was a huge shift, you know, way, way uh, in the right direction to, you know, an immense degree. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like, whoa, okay, this is way better. Mm-hmm. And um, But then we're sitting here and we're still paying for this house that we have this mortgage on, and uh, I'm still having to work a lot just to pay for it. And I just thought, you know, let's let's go a step further and let's get out of this house that we have this mortgage on, rent it out, fix up the old farmhouse, pay cash for it, and get to the point where we have no rent, we have right. no mortgage payment, we have nothing. And so that that was the ultimate goal to get over here to answer your question. That was a long-winded way to do it. <laughs> no, no, it's, but it's it's it's. I think it's it's something that a lot of people struggle with, right? With where you're, you're spending so much time chasing something and trying to gather the resources you think you need that you're sort of missing the time that's happening while you're exactly. doing that. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know. At some point, you have to just ask yourself, you know, I think, you know, when you have um, values, but then your daily actions diverge from your values. So if what you think you stand for and what you actually do in life, as those things diverge, the more they diverge, you know, the more mentally, you know, we'll just call it unstable, unhappy, however you want to look at it the more conflict, sort of inner conflict that comes up in your life and your marriage and your friendships, because you're really not who you say you are, you know, it's like, or or you're not who you think you should be. And the more those things diverge, the more sort of unhappy you become. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, at some point you have to ask yourself really, okay, is what I say I value and then what I'm doing every day, like, are those things kind of in line? And if they're not, get those things back in line right. with each other. And um, that's kind of mm-hmm. what we decided to do. And and we both have a lot of creative ambitions that yeah. we were not able to pursue living the life that we were. Yeah, absolutely. Because I was essentially a, a single parent with the kids while you were gone all the time. And you weren't yeah. you weren't allowed any time outside of what you were focusing yeah. on for work. Yeah. Um, just because... I mean, you were working 100 hours a week. Yeah, literally so, 100 hours a week. Right. No, it was like, uh, yeah, it was slave. It was like being a slave, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was a slave to my own ambition, but right. it was still being a slave. Yeah. And not for something that made you happy. Yeah, or, you know, it's like you get what you want. I mean, that's the thing, you know? Like, at some point, what's the cost for the thing you thought mm-hmm. you want? And you might not even know that you actually like it. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, you go make... You make ten million dollars. Okay. Like I, I had a, a coworker once who was desperate to buy this brand new car. She'd never had a brand new car before. She'd just gotten out of this divorce, and she was, "I'm gonna go buy this brand new car. I, I love this car." She was looking, drooling over it on her computer screen every day, looking at it online. She went and bought the car, and two days later, she sat in her office crying because she hated the car. It was uncomfortable for her to sit in. It was. <laughs> she couldn't see very well. She was a short person like me. She couldn't see very well. She the leather was too stiff. She had every complaint there was. <laughs> She hated that car. Yeah. And because well, she didn't realize that that's not really what she wanted. There's, yeah. there's some saying that says something like, you know, watch out for what you ask for, you might get it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so what? I don't know. Or, 
Yeah, go ahead. No, well, what, what's been the hardest part of that though? So where you where you give up on on that sort of ambition and that thing you were chasing? Yeah. You know, what, I know that it, it's not all kind of roses and unicorn farts. Like, what what's been the the biggest challenge with it all? I think for me, the biggest thing. I mean, there was a kind of twofold. There was a time where, you know, you put your life into something that you potentially could have had a, you know big stake in and you know I mean had I stayed at the last startup and it would if it all worked out and and I thought it would when I left then you know I would have stand to make a lot of money and so because they sold out for a lot of money oh well that was a different, oh, a different oh, you're yeah. talking about the other. but um but you know so there's uh I think there was a little bit of that you know in in the tech world they talk about FOMO right fear of missing out which there was a little bit of that. There was a little bit of like, oh, but if I had just stuck it out. And, you know, there's that, a little bit of doubt. But I think the biggest thing, um, and there's that, you know, you're leaving your team. I was the lead, so I, I had my team, and they were my guys. And so you leave that, and there's a little bit of feeling like you're abandoning somebody a little bit. But I think the biggest challenge so far has just been accepting the risk of, mm -hmm having your own business and contracting with a family. I, you know, grew up, I ran businesses. That's all I ever did really as a kid is I, I, I started businesses. So I was used to having risk, but I didn't ever have children and a wife and everybody, you know, I'm the single income earner and now I'm running a business. And so that sense of stability is gone. Yeah, right. It's, it's no longer, well, every two weeks I get a paycheck yeah. or whatever it is. It's now, well, if I want a paycheck, I better work and I better work hard. Put so in hours. Yeah. Put in hours and, you know, look for work or whatever. And mm -hmm. I think at first that was really difficult because it was like, it felt like I was just constantly going, oh, what am I going to do? You know, what if... What if I don't get paid on, you know, what if the customer doesn't pay me on time or, you know, there was all this stuff. And and it's interesting because that's just faded away now. Mm -hmm. Now I'm just like, oh, whatever. It'll work out. It's, I think, you know, as you take on more risk, you know, risk becomes more comfortable to you where you're just, you know, you're okay with the potential bad situation and you're more capable you know, you're more resilient to handle it. I think that's a good example in life in general. You know, the more sort of risk you take that's calculated and the more you put yourself out there, the easier things become, you know. Mm -hmm. Just doing something like this, there are a lot of people, I think, you know, two years ago, just doing a show like this, I would have probably been, I probably would have been nervous before I started yeah. But sure. now we've done so much, you know, YouTube and this and that and different things. I mean, even just when we first started doing YouTube here a year ago, we uh, Jim and Renda from Hardiness Approach interviewed us, and I literally was about ready to run uh, away from the camera. He <laughs> was, like, backing up. I, I, I really, yeah, in my mind, I'm just like, run, man, run, you know. <laughs> You're failing. You're bombing this. We Little watched, cartoon character explodes. Yeah, really. And. <laughs> You know, now it's something you don't think about. So I think that's just the way life is, right? Yeah. As you do more and more things that you're uncomfortable with, your comfort zone grows. Right. And you have to stretch yourself because that's the only way to keep marching forward. Well, it's half the point, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, or else it's just kind of boring. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and now, can you describe for me, like, what's your daily life like, like right now, today? 
So it depends on the day, but generally my day is, uh, well, I'll let you go first. Okay. Well, uh, my day, we, we have Probably more interesting. My day's not, not very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) We homeschool and we, um, we chose long time ago when Lawrence was probably two years old to, to go that route. So we always knew that we wanted to do that. Um, so we've been homeschooling him from the beginning and we usually spend, um, I don't know, on a good homeschool day, we spend a few hours focused time. Um, otherwise we have a lot of just general stuff that we try to get done around here right now. We've got a lot of cleanup going on. And so the kids are out helping to pick stuff up. Um, Lawrence is drooling over the berries that are starting to ripen. A little foraging goes on around here once in a while. Um, and planning. A lot of planning for lot the future. Planning. Yeah. My day's boring. It's not boring. <laughs> she does all the stuff that keeps all of this working, you know? You do yeah. You do all of the hard work around here. Yeah. Uh, my average day, I wake up when... The son or my children, more than often than not, my son, August, the one-year-old, wakes me up by smacking me in the face saying, Daddy, Dad, and then he taps me. But I wake up, and then I go to work, basically, and I sit down at my computer, and I work for, you know, I try to work eight hours a day. Sometimes I put in a lot more time than that, sometimes less than that. Um, and then there's all sorts of interruptions and things going on throughout the day because I'm here. So, you know, we're being, you know, that we're basically boondocking here. We don't have full hookups, so we don't have sewer here. We have electricity, but we don't have sewer. Um, we don't have water. So, you know, making sure that there's water here, making sure that we can go dump the septic, um, we also have uh, chickens, so making sure the chickens are taken care of, although that's um, we're actually getting rid of a bunch of them right now because we're just so overwhelmed with eggs, and there's so much, so many other things to worry about. So yeah. we're, we have 28 of them right now, but we are going to be getting all, rid of all but probably a half a dozen uh, to have a more manageable egg load. Yeah. But, yeah, so just that kind of stuff, and then uh, – Lately, I've been, uh, you know, I I try to edit the it's the video from He Double Hockey Sticks. The same and video that we've been it's like the for... same video for a month, and uh, it's finally to a point where it'll get released soon. Yes. But I've been saying that for a month, I think, yeah. or close to a month. So, but yeah, try to try to do some editing. We haven't really shot much since we've been back here. We've just been mm-hmm. too busy. Um, and then it took, it took a lot to kind of just get settled in feeling yeah, back really here did. with the RV. Yeah. Cause I mean, we went, you know, for six weeks on the yeah. road. So going back to yeah. what we were talking about before we left on basically April 3rd and we didn't come back till the middle of May and life, a daily life on the road was so different yeah. than daily life being here. parked here at home. Yeah. I don't think we were quite prepared for no. Yeah, it's just the pace is totally different. It's weird. Yeah, Yeah, it's 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 weird weird how different it is. You almost feel better or worse or just different. It's like you had purpose on the road. It was weird. It's like you had a real regimented purpose. I needed to work. 
The kids needed to go do, you know, have fun or do whatever. We needed to move from point A to point B. We had to be here on this sort of, it was very sort of. And even days where we sat in the RV not really doing anything, I never once heard the kids complain about being bored. I never felt bored. Yeah. But being back home, we'll have days where it's like. Oh, the kids are bored. Right. You know, typical kids stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's been different, but. yeah, I'm trying to think of what else. That's yeah. kind of my average day is pretty boring. I work. <laughs> I basically work all day. Wait, wait, but what? you guys are finding now, I mean, you're getting that together time for your family. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we de- this is where we're at is a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we definitely have more steps to take. Mm-hmm. Um, we're definitely, you know, have some things we're, uh, I think, planning on doing and that are going to move us even more in that direction of having even more more free time. The ultimate goal with all this is to try to be debt free and, uh, you know, hedonic adaptation being what it is, the more money we made in the past, the more we spent and the more money we made, the more we spent, you know, it was a ramp, a never ending ramp up. It seems so the goal is really, you know, to get out of debt and get control of our time. I'd really love to be able to do, uh, creative things more, um, I know Sarah, you know, writes and she'd like to write more. I, I love to write. I'd like to write more. Um, we'd love to do, you, you know, I'd love to be able to do two or three or more YouTube videos every week. But, you know, it's the YouTube, you know, people say, why do you do it? It's like, well, cause I like it. It's fun. It's fun. I enjoy it. Yeah. I enjoy editing it. I enjoy telling the story. Mm-hmm. We enjoy it. You know, I wouldn't do it if I didn't like it at this point in my life. You know, I don't have any I don't have a whole lot of room for things I hate. So, yeah, no, uh, I think trying to get to a place where we can really spend 90 percent of our time doing creative things or exploring and having adventure. That's really what we want to do. Right. I mean, like you've said it before, you you phrased it this way that um, we really would love to raise our children to be fiercely competent and the only way to do that is to provide them enough experience in life to build that yeah. competency. And and we can't do that if we're constantly chasing a paycheck to pay off the debt. So get out of debt. That gives us more freedom of time and more ability to yeah. explore those different. And just to yeah. be with them because, right. you know. Lawrence is going to be 11 this summer, and I don't know how that happened. Yeah. I don't know where that decade went. It's they they grow up. It's so cliche, but they grow up so fast. It yeah. just goes by. And so now fast. we have one. The one you know, August is one. So it's a, yeah. it's like a thinking 10 years back. You know, that's where we're at with him. So when August is Lawrence's age, Lawrence is going to be 20. Yeah. You know, and it feels like this went by pretty fast till now. You know. So we don't want to miss out on experiencing their childhood with them. Yeah. And we're, I think, you know, we're doing a good job at moving in that direction. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with the progress. We definitely have more progress to make, but I'm happy with where we're headed. That's a pretty incredible story, right? You know, to go from the the career that Ethan had and the life that they were leading to, to what they're doing now is is easily a 180-degree turn in, in terms of life. 
And it's just been incredible to see what they've been doing. If you are curious, actually, yourself and you want to see more about what they're doing, be sure to check out their YouTube channel. It's uh, 180 Degrees from Average. I'll leave a, a link for it down in the show notes. But I, I really enjoy talking with, with them. You know, Ethan and I, we text constantly back and forth. And he's just one of those people with with a perspective that I've appreciated. And as I've struggled a little bit, some of his advice has, has definitely helped me. And so with that, that's all we've got for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Be sure to tell your friends and family all about our podcast. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, And with that, I think I'll just ask my good friend, Mr. Keith Pierce, to play our theme song. I will talk to you again very soon. It's got a soul, this hero farm, it falls asleep inside my arms. We work the fields under the stars, the love is here at Gold Shop Farms, a city life, yeah. But we would dream of the fields under the stars I fall asleep inside its arms The love is here at Gold Shop Farms The love is here at Gold Shop Farms